welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary episode number 83 for Saturday the 13th of January 2018. And I'll just warn you now, you might want to go and get a cup of Horlicks because this is going to be quite a long one, I'm afraid. There's so much news to tell you, I can't believe how much news there is. And I've been doing other projects that have nothing to do with writing, so quite a lot to get through today, but I think it's all going to be interesting and useful. So the first thing is, in last week's diary, I said to you, by this time this week, I should be telling you that I've written 5,000 words of my latest book, and I'm delighted to tell you that I've actually written today 5,867 words of my new thriller, Who to Trust. Now, um, interestingly, when I was just about to write today, I thought, you know what, I should record a video about this and, and talk to you about my, my fears and how apprehensive I am when I start a new book, but also to show you what my screen looks like and how I work when I write a book. So I've actually done that today. I recorded before I started because I was really, I'm always nervous when I start a new book because you don't know whether the thing's going to fly or die. You really don't know. I've, I've got the idea. I know where I'm going with it. But actually, when you start writing, you might start writing and think, this is absolute pants. This really isn't working for me at all. And there's always that fear, even though this is my 14th story now, you never quite know uh, whether it's going to work for you or not. So I always take a deep breath when I start writing. And I was particularly concerned about the first scene today. I was going to leave the first scene until I'd written a couple of easier scenes, but actually I dived straight into it. And I and I thought that scene was good to be about a thousand words long, but it turned out to be about one thousand nine hundred words wrong and, and long, I should say. And, and the the problem I had uh, with writing is that I, I needed to talk about two people and a murder scene, but I didn't want to give away their gender. Or, or their names uh, that needs to be a secret right until the le- very last point of the book and I, I was concerned about that I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to keep that uh, sustained and as it turned out I, I was now I know that that scene that scene will need me to go back and do some work on it it's not likely to be right um, first time out of the gate uh, but it went way better than I thought it was going to go and I'm quite astounded that I've got to 5,867 words today bearing in mind again that I haven't been writing what two or three weeks I've had off now writing so it it, it feels good I feel really uh, happy always feel very elated when I've done that so just to let you know then that I have recorded a video it's not just a replay of what I'm just about to tell you in the diary it's a completely standalone video and it, it shares my screen it shows you how I have scriven already how I have novel factory set up and how I time and and also as I finished each section, so I write in three sections, section one, section two, section three. I've also put the video on and just talked to you about how each section went to and what difficulties I had and, and what actually happened during that period. So, um, you know, if you really want to just get inside my uh, writing process, uh, not, not because it's anything exemplary or anything to follow, uh, just because uh, it'll give you, number one, an insight into, into how I do it. You can actually see the first 5,000 words um, emerging. You don't see me type in the 5,000 words, by the way. I do turn the video off while that's happening. Um, but you see me at the beginning and the end of it. Um, but also because you might uh, just pick some tips up that are useful for you to help you to, to get your word output up um, if you struggle writing the words. So I will put the link to that video on the show notes for today's diary. So if you head for the 
diary, go to the website at selfpublishingjourneys.com. And if you're listening to this sometime in the future, you're looking for episode 83 of The Diary, Saturday the 13th of January. But for those of you who listen to this as soon as it uh, comes out, it'll just be on the front page of selfpublishingjourneys.com. Just click on the link and you'll see the video in there. So I just hope that's useful for you. And um, if you do like that, just let me know because it might be something that I could do from time to time. It was no effort today. It didn't hold up my writing at all. But if you do find it useful, just let me know. And very unusually, by the way, I decided that I would... Um, have the webcam going while I did that. So you can actually see my little face on the screen uh, chatting away while I'm talking you through it. So uh, I just thought that might make a change. Okay, so that's writing. And I mean, you can imagine how delighted I am. I'm always ecstatic when I when I start a new book and it, and it goes to plan. Um, I, I, I feel confident with this book. I think this one's going to be okay. I'm really looking forward to writing it. So let's move on to general news. So much general news to tell you this week. Um, the first thing is, is that um, I can't get a book bub until what is it? April, something like that. And this month is going to be, I think it's going to be another thousand pound month this month, uh, pounds, not dollars. Um, all, all I could do is look at what I've earned so far this month, divide it by the number of days and then multiply it by 31 and say, right, well, if, if that continues at the rate it's going, that's going to be a thousand pound month. So at the moment, it's going to be another thousand uh, pound month which is pretty good. Uh, and you can imagine how pleased I am at that as well. But what I was thinking was, okay, um, I can't do another book bub until April. Um, I'm not happy to just sit on my hands till then. I, I want to do something because the, the book is selling organically now because it, it's gone higher up the charts as a result of the book bub. This is organic sales now uh, and they're good. So I was thinking, how can I do something with that? So what I've decided to do is I'm going to do a book promo again and that I've, I've timed it for the 25th of January. But because I, there's nothing quite like BookBub, the only thing I know that's close to it is free booksy. So what I've decided to do, what I've done is I, I've actually done my one-two approach, which is what I always recommend when you're doing these promos. So even with BookBub, I did BookBub on day one, and then I had free booksy and a couple of other promo sites on day two. And you'll often find that, that those other sites, the second day of promos, just moves you higher up the charts and maybe get you that number one spot, that coveted number one spot. It certainly worked for me when I did it. So what I have done is I've booked a load of book promos over the 25th and the 26th of January because I want to replicate as as much as I possibly can, given that I can't have a book bub. I want to see if I can replicate even, say, a quarter of those results using other book sites. So... Um, I think I told you last week that I was applying for these book sites. As usual, I, I have gone a little bit over the top, but I just want to see if it's possible. I want to see if it's possible by putting together a lot of good book sites. Can you recreate something that, that resembles a book bub without having to wait to be accepted in a book bub? So this is a little experiment, which I'm doing on everybody's behalf, and I'll obviously let you know the results. So um, I think last week I'd said I was waiting to see if many books and ebook soda uh, accepted me. Well, they did. Uh, so did Free Booksy. Now, I think that's the, f not not Free Booksy, sorry, Free Booksy accepted me, that they always accept you, and you have to pay the highest fee, I think, for Free Booksy. And remember, Free Booksy is the one I call the poor man's book bum. Sorry, it's Fussy Librarian, I meant to say. I've never been accepted by Fussy Librarian before, but Fussy Librarian let me in too. So, um, I got, I, I've got lots of promos running over the two days. On Thursday the 25th, I've got Kindle Nation Daily and many books running. I think it's, um, I've, I've honestly lost the track of what's running. Let me have a look at the sheet. I've got so many of the promos now, even I've lost track of what's running when. So um, I've got Free Booksy and Fussy Librarian on Thursday, the 25th of January. 
And then the, the, the second sort of punch, if you want to call it that, I've got Kindle Nation Daily, which I've not tried before. I'm thriller of the day on that. It was quite expensive. Um, but they were giving a 40% discount, which is why I jumped on that. So I think it was about $70. Um, ebook, soda and many books are going to be on the Friday as well. And, um, I did an interview this week for the podcast with Carissa Andrews and Carissa mentioned a site called My Book Cave, which I'd never heard of before. So I jumped straight on that and, and got one with, got a, got a booking with My Book Cave too. So I've got six sites that I'm promoting through. Now, if you remember last time I did free booksy with Don't Tell Meg with the trilogy, I had my first highest paid month, which was May of 2017. And that brought in, I think it was a thousand dollars, slightly over a thousand dollars in that month. So I'm using a, a free booksy. So if that replicates what it did last time, that might give me a thousand dollar month. But then I'm also putting all those other sites in there too. Now they might be useless for all I know. I don't know what a Kindle Nation Daily will do or a my book. I've never tried them before. I haven't got a clue. So we'll all find out together and I will let you know. It's actually going to be perfect timing because if I do that on the Thursday and Friday, on the Friday afternoon, I'll record my diary. So you'll know by the Saturday, the 27th of January, Podcast Diary 85, you'll know whether that's been a success um, or a failure. But remember, we're also going to be adding that traffic to the organic boost I seem to have had through BookBub. Now, what I'm trying to do is I, I just, as I say, I don't want to sit on my hands until I can get another BookBub. Uh, clearly, don't tell Meg uh, converts. People buy it and they buy through. So I want to give it some more traffic. I want to try and get some more impetus up there so we can hopefully have another good month. And it won't, I don't think it'll be anything near as good as BookBub. But that if I can have another couple of good months to get me to the next BookBub and then try again, I'll try again. And just to let you know, remember that I have tried other BookBub since I had that BookBub deal. And uh, only this week, uh, Dead of Night got rejected from BookBub. So they're still rejecting my other books. So the other thing I, I want to tell you, if you've not had a BookBub before, I think the interesting thing is going to be whether they take Don't Tell Meg again. That's going to be the interesting thing. But they're still rejecting. Since I've had that BookBub, they've rejected Secret Bunker, The Grid. I really want them to take The Grid. I can't see why they wouldn't take The Grid. It's got the right reviews and the right covers. So I'm going to keep pushing that. And they've just knocked back Dead of Night. Now, again, if you listen to last week's diary, um, I did Dead of Night because I thought oh, I want to get another book, bub. But to be honest with you, I don't, I don't feel that putting a standalone book in book, bub, I just don't feel it will work. The reason that it works so well on book, bub was that Don't Tell Meg was the first in a, in a trilogy and it's the read throughs. It was the read throughs that made the money. Now I haven't seen, and I'm very surprised at this, but although people have been reading through Don't Tell Meg, the trilogy, there's no evidence that they've gone on to buy my standalones at all. Absolutely no evidence at all yet. The standalones are all cross-promoted very clearly in each of the Don't Tell Meg books. So it seems to have been the combination of hooking them with the free book, and hopefully the free book was good enough to get enough of them to then want to read the rest of the story to buy books two and three. But there doesn't seem to have been any follow-on for me other than that. So the the sellable unit, if you want, is the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. The trick seems to be Don't Tell Meg for free. And then I seem to get, if I can throw enough traffic at it, I then get enough buy-throughs to, to to make the money on the subsequent books. And also remember, the reads are a huge part of my income in this. So these are in KDP Select. I'm not going wide. I don't even want to try wide because my previous experience with wide is that, you, you know, when I'm, when I'm earning no money at all, um, Draft the Digital might bring in an extra $50 a month. So... When I'm earning nothing, that draft of digital extra $50, whatever it was, it was never very much, was always welcome. 
But in the context of what I'm earning now in KDP Selector with the reads, there's no way I'm I'm going to go wide on the off chance that I might make a couple of sales here, there, and everywhere. I just don't have the confidence to do that yet. It's too early days. Now, if I ever get to BookBub 6, and I'm, I'm kind of very self-assured about how everything works and what the numbers are, I might get to that. But at the moment, um, I'm not going to jinx anything. I just want to rinse and repeat the thing that worked for me the first time. So that's coming up 25th and 26th of January, and I'll let you know how it goes. Now, um, I was interviewing uh, Carissa this week, and I'd never heard of my book cave, but when I hear of something and, I, and somebody tells me it's successful for them, it works well for them, I jump straight on it, have a look, and I think within about half an hour of finishing talking to Carissa, I think it was Tuesday we were talking, I was on um, this my book cave, and um, had a really interesting experience. I put a screenshot on the show notes for this week. I've never had this before, but when you go through my book cave, they, they ask you to classify the kind of violence and the sex scenes and the drinking scenes in your book. So you have to say, uh, in kissing here, if it features kissing, uh, is it no kissing or a quick peck? Is it mild with no tongue, <laughs> more than a few paragraphs per kiss? And then is it passionate with tongue and more than a few paragraphs for each kiss? So I mean, I've never seen, um, I've never seen the naughty bits so uh, clearly and amusingly defined. It really made me laugh, actually. It was very funny. And then you've got things like um, the the, the humour. And it says, uh, is there none or minimal humour? Or is it mild, brackets, fart jokes or similar? (laughs) Which is just just hilarious. And then you've got, you know, is it moderate crude humour or language? Uh, Is it appropriate for teens? Or is it significant, moderate plus to adult or is it graphic extensive and continuous so it's really funny uh having to completely quantify the swear words and the sex scenes in your book it gets better actually it's it's worth applying for a it's worth applying for one of these just just for the laugh of this survey and then in the profanity section you, you've got to do a number count of f-bombs you've got to estimate how many f-bombs there are in your book and um, i mean i thought i was bad because when the uh, when I send my books to, to Helen Fazal, you know, she usually says there's a lot of the, there's a lot of use of the word F-bomb in that. And so what I do when, when she comments that, um, I go through it and I try and make sure there's 10 or fewer and I, I try and mix the words around. So it's not F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. But I don't have that many. I mean, if I, you know, my, my probably natural F-bomb count before Helen said to me might be about 20, 23, something like that. But here, look at the, the numbers go up to 501. Or more f bombs, or profanities. I mean, I only drop a few in uh, just to colour the language. But you imagine reading a book with five hundred and one uh, profanities in it. Now, I, I remember years ago um, watching Scarface with Al Pacino, and uh, I haven't watched it for years. I, I'd like to come back to it because it's supposed to be a classic. And when I watched it, I mean, it must be years ago. I remember just thinking that everything was the f bomb. It was like so much f bomb that it was untrue. Um, and I was thinking, you'd have to be writing something like a Scarface to have 501 profanities in one book. But um, I do urge you, <laughs> even if you haven't got a book, even if you haven't written a book, um, pretend you're listing one on, on my book cave. And then just when you get to the payment bit, don't, don't do the payment bit. But it's worth it for the comedy value just of doing this survey. And I thought, oh, they're never going to put my book on because of this, because of all the all the profanities. And then there's more about the sex scenes. You have to describe what's involved in all sorts. It's 
it's all you know it's all like a handbook by the time you finish but um they, they accepted me the, the the bottom line is, is they did accept me and all they use this for and actually i actually agree with it it's a very good thing because uh, there's nothing worse than having a reader say oh there were too many sex scenes in it when you think well i did warn you i actually have a warning on my blurb to say um you know it's nothing too nothing too graphic but there are sex scenes in there i understand that some people don't want that at all so i, I flag it up on my blurb and that's fine. Um, but what my book cave does in the promos is it actually, you know, it itemizes. It tells you how much profanity, whether they're sex scenes and how graphic they are and things like that. And I have to say, I think that's actually really responsible, um, for readers. But the first time round, I thought that they, they might say, Oh no, we're not going to do this, but they do list the book so long as it meets their other criteria, whether it's got uh, graphic stuff in or not. They just use it as a way to let readers know very clearly what they're going to be reading. So I have to say, I, I think that's really good. And actually that might be something that, um, Amazon could do because it is frustrating when you quite clearly flag up that there are sex scenes and swearing in your book and then somebody moans about it in a review when you've, you've been very clear about it but I think to, to me that's just responsible listing so well done my book cave and please if you do want a, a little bit of comedic value just give it a try that survey is extremely funny just another thing to add about that deal by the way is that when don't tell Meg is free on those promos so it'll be on a free kindle uh, freebie for five days i also put the other books for the duration uh i put them on a countdown deal so that you can get them at a cheaper price if you buy fast you can get them at a cheaper price if you start to read the book and think oh i'd like to read the others it encourages you then to make a purchase to to buy the book while it's priced cheaply to just say okay i've read enough of this i'll t- i'll take a punt and i'll buy the other two books while they're cheap so that is another part of my strategy that worked with bookbub is that i put the other books for the the, the duration of the promo, they were on a countdown deal too. Now, by a countdown deal, I don't price them rock bottom at 99. I think they start start about 199, I think. So I make sure that I'm earning some reasonable money from the countdown. But they are all priced down to make them more attractive and to encourage people to, to, to get in there fast before the price goes up. Um, the other thing I've done, this is something else I haven't tried, but um, one of the things I did think about while I was just reflecting on what happened with BookBub, is I've had my two best months from the months when I spent money and promoted. And really, there should be no surprise to that. You know, what do I expect? Do I expect people to just suddenly stumble across my books, fall in love with them without reading them and buy all of them? That's never going to happen. I have to promote. And just like my emails, the emails I send out, I've been haphazard with promoting. I mean, really, when you think about it, if I used a free booksy and had my best month ever in May, well, why wasn't I doing a free booksy? I can't remember what the delay is with free booksies. I think it might be two or three months. Why wasn't I doing a free booksy straight after that? Because I should have been. If I that gave me my best month, I should have just done it again. If it worked first time, do it again and see if it works a second time. I didn't do that. I don't know why I didn't do that. So um, one of the kind of lessons I've learned from that is I, I need to be promoting. And that's why I'm doing the big promo on Don't Tell Meg. But the other thing I want to try is 99 pence promos, 99 cents pence promos. I've never done that before. Um, and I think I mentioned to you last week, I think I said that I'd applied to Buck Books and Buck Books has been on my radar for years, uh, not years, uh, well, it must be a couple of years actually, but I tried to get in, the, in on it on the early days, but um, it was always shut. There were so many um, applicants for the positions. It was just continually shut. And for a little while I had a, I think a little monthly calendar reminder to say, check Buck Books, see if it's open. And it was never open. So frankly, I just gave up on it at the end, but I can't remember what, what sent me there a week or two ago. And I looked at the site and, oh, they're accepting authors again now. Now, Buck Books don't do free books. They do 99p, 99 cents books. So, again, what I've done, and this is scheduled in early February, I think, 
just looking at my schedule here, it says early, yeah, early February, February the 9th. So, um, yeah, Friday the 9th of February, which is quite useful again, because it will have had some time to run when I record my podcast diary. I'll be able to tell you on Saturday the 10th some early results with that. But that's all that is, is it's just a price drop on the grid one, uh, 99 pence rather than I think it's 399 that I sell that book for. And I just want to see if it makes any money when you promote it. Will it make money when you promote it for 99 pence or cents? And so obviously my first objective is to cover my costs with book books and bargain books. Neither of them, frankly, are too expensive. So I don't have an awful lot of costs to cover. So I want to cover my costs and can I be in profit? And do I make any money from it? I haven't got a clue. I've never done a 99 pence promo. So uh, that's another experiment that I'm doing um, with promos. And we'll see how it goes. And I'll let you know, of course, in the diaries. I've been really busy at the moment um, recording new podcast episodes. I'm not going to go into it in any detail here. But I've teamed up with a, a lady that I met through this podcast, in actual fact, uh, Alison Ingleby, who's a dystopian writer. And um, I met Alison at the Amazon event. I think it was in Manchester. We got on very well. It was very easy to talk to Alison when we were interviewing. And I, I wanted to do a, um, a cryptocurrency podcast, something I've got interested in in my sort of personal life recently, because I'm a little bit geeky. I love all this stuff. And um, one of the gaps in the market that I can see is that nobody's really doing this for people who, who really haven't got a clue about it, real beginners. So I wanted to fill that spot. And the other thing is, is that it's currently, I think it's 80% men are into cryptocurrencies and, and obviously by default, 20% women. And I, I wanted to do a podcast that was female friendly, that wasn't, didn't have that feel of, of guys talking about tech. And that's how a lot of the podcasts that I'd listened to when I was learning about it uh, felt to me. And that's fine. You know, they're great, but I wanted to do something that was very beginner friendly, uh, much like this podcast for writers and something uh, that's obviously very honest about it, but also something that was uh, very accessible to women as well as men too. Um, so it, it was gender neutral, if you want. So um, Alison th- uh, agreed to do the podcast. She knew nothing about cryptos, but she's done wonderfully, really got up to speed with it very fast. And we've been recording en masse uh, the the initial episodes that we're going to run and we start the podcast properly uh, it'll we'll start to drop the weekly episodes from the 20th of January I've just got two more we call it the boot camp so we've got 11 episodes in there which basically um, they took you through the basics of cryptocurrency they they explain how you would invest in in bitcoin or whatever it is you want to invest in and we talk about how volatile they are all, all the bits and things you need to know about crypto I'm not going to bore you with it in this writing podcast, other than to say that um, if, if you kind of like what I produce and you are, you've got half an interest in cryptos, if you head over to uh, crypt, I can't remember the, the name of it, I'm going to have to check it actually. <laughs> I've got so many things to remember. Oh, cryptonewspodcast.com, that's what we call it. It's cryptonewspodcast.com, no hyphens or anything like that. And uh, if you go to that website, I mean, you can subscribe to us on all the usual channels, of course. But if you go to the website, you just want to check it out quickly. Um, you'll see at the time of recording this, there's nine episodes on it. By the time the weekend is finished, there will be the first 11 episodes on it. And we will start to drop weekly episodes from next Saturday. So it's all very exciting. A second project for me. 
uh, in cryptos, but it's gone extremely well. We've had great fun doing it, and um, it's very different from this podcast. It's really nice uh, co-presenting, to be honest with you. I, I do like co-presenting, um, but I think it's gone better than either um, Alison or I thought it would do, uh, bearing in mind you have to get used to working with something, somebody. It's been great. We've had a great laugh doing it. So cryptonewspodcast.com. It's the last I'll say about it, just in case you're interested. Okay, back to the books. Um, I have asked Stuart Bache, who is Mark Dawson's cover designer, to produce for me three Don't Tell Meg covers in April. So um, he, uh, Stuart's sort of got me scheduled in. I've commissioned him to do this work. It's going to cost me £940 to get three covers done. And the reason they're cheaper is because they're in a trilogy. And when you do a trilogy, clearly there are design elements there that are going to stay the same across the three books. So it's not like it's not the same amount of work as it is if you were to start three completely standalone books. You do get a bit of a discount um, when you have three done. So I'm going to get some decent Stuart Beige quality. I mean, so this is proper quality uh, covers. I don't know whether you've seen Stuart's covers, but they're fabulous. So don't tell Meg is going to get proper covers on it. And I've commissioned the ebook covers and the paperback covers too. So they're going to look real class. And again, I, you know, I've taken a bit of a punt with this in that um, don't tell Meg converts. People seem to like it. What, what, what I hope won't happen is that I'll put these expensive covers on and then they convert less than with my crappy covers. That's why I have to keep my fingers crossed for because the existing covers, which are fairly poor, not terrible, but, fa- you know, not brilliant. Um, they're doing all right. Thank you very much, as you've seen. So what I have to hope is that when I change the covers and put real hard quality ones on, that somehow it doesn't affect my conversion. If it does, the old covers are going back on and I've wasted my money. But um, I, I when I interviewed um, James... I'm trying to remember his name. Second name, James Blatch. I've got a memory like a sieve. James Blatch. When I interviewed him for the podcast, uh, I loved his cover for his forthcoming book. I thought, oh, that's real quality, that cover. It looks brilliant. Um, James's book is about kind of aircraft pilots and things like that. It's not something that would normally interest me. But looking at the cover made me want to read the book. And that, as we all know, is the secret of a great cover. And Stuart Bache's team, designed that cover and I thought yeah I want to get some Stuart Bache covers I want to try Stuart Bache covers on Don't Tell Meg on that trilogy so uh, I'm in for £940 fingers crossed I'm hoping that my promo will <laughs> that I'm doing in January is going to bring that money into the business to pay for those covers so I can bring it from um, new income hopefully from promoting the books but we'll have to see so um, I'll probably wait then to get the new covers on before I have another go at BookBub because um, Stuart's going to do the covers in April. They'll probably be done by the end of April, and I can try for a second time with BookBub in April. So I'm going to try a second BookBub with brand-new covers. And number one, obviously, I've got to jump the hurdle and get them to say yes. Then number two, we'll have to see if the new covers convert as well or better as the old covers. But these are just the things. This is all we can do. We can just test, test, test with this stuff and see how it goes. So, um, good news about the podcast this week. I've been discovered. Um, don't, don't get too excited about this, by the way. But I made, um, <laughs> these things make me laugh. I made number 59 in the top 100 self-publishing blogs. And this list was compiled by Feedspot. Now, at first you think, all right, well, that's nice. Um, so at least people are finding me. That's really all I take from this is that at least I'm visible if somebody's looking for me. But as it turns out, I'm number 59 in a list that only goes up to 71. <laughs> they couldn't, they obviously couldn't find enough 
um, blogs and podcasts about self-publishing to actually get to the 100. So um, this is all, frankly, to promote Feedspot, which is a, I think it's an RSS feed collation service. And their RSS feed, they obviously sent it out to find self-publishing blogs, which it assembles, I think, based on Google rank and frequency of updates and things like that. And um, and I, I reached that coveted number 59 position out of 71 people, and they couldn't find 100 people. So, you know, when you get something and you think, I'm not quite sure whether to be flattered by this or offended by it. I mean, you might have made it up to the 100 at least. And then I would have felt like, oh, that's okay. 59 in 100 for a relatively new podcast, an unknown podcast. So um, what I take from that is um, that at least I could be found. They found me. Uh, when they search for a self-publishing blog stroke podcast. So at least I'm visible. And that's really all I take from that. And the other thing I take, by the way, is that Feedspot's quite a useful tool. I might use it in my own business uh, for something I'm doing with the crypto blog. So it might have just saved me a little bit of money. So I guess that's serendipity, isn't it? But um, I'm not too excited by that. But it is always a nice, it's always a nice little flurry to appear on, you, you know, some chart that isn't Britain's most wanted. Um, so I'll settle for that. Number 59 on a self-publishing uh, chart. I also appeared on Tim Lewis's podcast this week. This is a, a great body, body, a buddy podcast for, to mine, and it's begin self-publishing. Uh, Tim tends to dwell a lot more on the, the marketing elements of, of self-publishing, and that's why I say it's a great buddy podcast because you'll hear completely different stuff to what you hear in my podcast. Um, but it was my third time on Tim's show, and I was just doing a kind of uh, summary of my year, really, and. I um, I don't generally listen back to my own um, interviews because I can't believe what nonsense I speak, but I, I did listen back to this one. And I thought, actually, there's quite good stuff in there, quite useful stuff. Um, it wasn't complete nonsense. So um, if, if you want to check out the Begin Self-Publishing podcast, I, I am on that episode this week. And I'm actually really proud. I'm most proud of this because I used I don't use bad expletives when I'm talking, but I, I used a couple of um, words that Tim bleeped out. So I I now consider myself to be the bad boy of self-publishing because I had to have uh, one beep and one phrase edited out. They weren't too bad. They were pretty mild, to be honest with you. Uh, they would barely have ranked on that questionnaire and that questionnaire that you get on my book cave. I certainly wouldn't have been at the 501 expletive or more level. But um, in, in, a, in a sad, juvenile way, I feel a little bit proud to have had something edited and something beeped out in a podcast. I feel a little bit like the Sex Pistols, you know, when they they first swore before the watershed. It feels like a moment like that in self-publishing. But <laughs> anyhow, it was good fun. I enjoyed chatting to Tim, as I always do. And um, there is some quite useful information, dare I say it, that I share in that podcast interview. A couple of other things before we finish. We're running at 30 minutes now. It's not actually going to be as long as I thought it was going to be. So... Um, this is just a, a, a useless fact, but I noticed, um, I can't quite work this out because, you know, you forget all this stuff when you've published a few books. But um, The Secret Bunker on Kindle says that today it's three years. So it says I published that on Kindle on the 12th of January 2015. Now, I thought, I know I wrote the books. I couldn't remember what order I published them in and whether I waited till they were all written until I published them. I honestly can't remember the detail of that book. But when I look at the Create Space book, it says that that was published on the 9th of October 2014. I really can't remember what order I published everything in now. And that suggests that the book was published as a paperback before I did the Kindle. But anyhow, it's it's worthy of note. Um, according to Amazon, 
it's three years since I first published The Secret Bunker. I only take that as interesting information because, of course, it takes you a while to write the books and then you publish it. And I say I've been in self-publishing for four years because that's when I started writing. But in publication terms, in, in sales terms, I've pretty well been in it for three years. That's when I released my my first books. So I'm not, I really can't remember the detail of it now. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But uh, that does suggest that I've only had a, a Kindle book up there for three years. And it's interesting because I made my best sales. I've, I've told you this before. I made my best sales of my sci-fi books, The Grid and the Secret Bunker, in the last year. So even though it's a, what you call an old book, it's always new remember to somebody who doesn't know about it. And so you can always, at any point in your career, make more sales with what you consider to be an old book. I've almost forgotten that book now. It feels so far away from me. I'm always concentrating on the next books, but actually it is a still a unit that I can sell and make money from. And we must never forget that as authors. Um, I'm sharing an infographic this week on the resources page. It was just one of those things that popped up in, in Facebook or Twitter or somewhere. I thought I must share this. This is great. But it's uh, it's uh, amusing, and it's uh, the indie guide to pricing. It's just a lovely infographic. It, it did make me titter, but it's it's very true. A lot of it, and it's from at Crazy Idealist. So presumably they're on Twitter. And uh, you're best to look at this. It's best looked at. But I'll I'll just read you through the basics. It's a it's a guide to pricing. So when you price your book at free, it calls that a marketing ploy. This made me laugh. If you price your book at ninety nine pence or cents, as it is here. Uh, you hate yourself. One ninety nine is a little desperate. Two ninety nine is somewhat eager, and it's interesting that they put three ninety nine as you respect yourself. So from from their point of view, three dollars ninety nine is the is the sweet spot. I think I'm priced at four ninety nine at the moment in dollars and three ninety nine in pounds. Now, $4.99, they say you're getting kind of cheeky. <laughs> but I only did that because Brian Meek said about it. And I, and I seem to be selling books at that price. So I'm not going to change it just yet. Um, at $6.99, the comment is, I don't understand. And this also made me laugh. Uh, at $7.99, they say, are you traditionally published? <laughs> Which is great. At $8.99, they say, what the hell? And then at nine ninety nine, this is for a, a, an ebook, by the way, a full length ebook. This is a full length ebook. They say, "Who is this a hole?" So um, that just made me laugh because there's actually a lot of truth in that graphic, and I will share it on the resources page. But it's interesting that they put really they put three ninety nine at the sweet spot. They say at three ninety nine you respect yourself, and at four ninety nine you get a little bit cheeky. So. Um, it looks like two ninety nine, three ninety nine, four ninety nine is a sweet spot. They put it at three ninety nine. So um, yeah, you might want to print that out and put that on your your little board if you've got a work board like I have where I pin things up. But it was uh, it just made me laugh. It just made me titter. So that's it for another podcast diary. I can't believe the work that I've got done this week um, or in the last week or so. I've I've recorded and produced eleven episodes of a new podcast. Um, I've recorded this week um, two authors. So I recorded two authors on Tuesday and Thursday of this week, Carissa Andrews on Tuesday, and I recorded with Rhoda Baxter on Wednesday. Um, and I got my writing done. So the productivity has been right up, and I did three days' work at the day job. So I'm feeling pleased that after the lull of Christmas and with that blooming cold that I had that just was reducing my productivity 
And my family say to me, you're more productive when you've got a cold than most people are when they haven't got a cold. Well, I know that, but I'm not as productive as I could be. So um, I'm really firing all cylinders at the moment. It always feels great. I love producing stuff. And it feels, um, I, I know it's too much doing another podcast. I know it's ridiculous, but actually... Now we've got these episodes done. It's only going to take up, well, it's going to take about an hour to record on a Thursday evening. And then it'll take me, uh, they haven't been taking me much editing, actually, because it's gone so well with Alison. We've recorded so well. So um, it's not going to take up probably about two hours a week, which I'm pretty sure I can sustain along with everything else. So and we're just running it till March as an initial test. You know, it might, it might um, you've heard me use this phrase, fly or die. We'll see what the the downloads are for it and how it's going and whether we feel like we're in a receptive audience. And we, we've got it diaried to review the whole thing at the end of March. So it, it may not even survive till the end of March, but um, we're going to give it our best shot and see how it goes. So no, it's good to be productive again. It's good to be back in the swing of things again. Okay, that's it for this week's diary on Monday. Oh, you must listen to Monday's podcast. I mean, I say this about all of them, but this was the first podcast I've done where I interviewed two people at once. It's interesting. I, I've really, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, double heading uh, the show presentation with Alison uh, with the crypto podcast, and I really enjoyed being with Carol and Chris because there's just more to bounce off when you're talking to yourself. It's quite difficult, but it's great to have somebody to bounce off. I, I like having somebody to bounce off. But with uh, Carol and Chris, C- Carol is the author, and Chris is her husband. So Carol Rivers, that's a writing name. Carol Rivers and Chris Wood, and Carol is a romance and saga writer. And we had an absolute hoot when we chatted. It was just just a great a great laugh. But there's so so much in there. It's just really interesting. Uh, Carol basically has published with Mills and Boone. She's been with uh, apologies if I've got this wrong off the top of my head, Carol. But it's is it Schuster and Schuster, Simon and Schuster, whatever they're called. Um, somebody big. She's she's done her own her, her sagas with somebody very very big and impressive. But they've chosen to self publish. And and they love it, but they're obviously very challenged by it. And that's how I, I met Carol because she listens to my podcast, among others, to find out all the all the tips and the tricks of the trade. So um, we just had a hoot, and Chris uh, supports Carol in that, and they're just a great couple. We had a brilliant conversation, thoroughly enjoyable. So I heartily recommend Monday's next interview to you. It's going to be episode number 98 of the Self Publishing Journeys podcast, and that's scheduled for Monday, the 15th of January. 2018. By the time I speak to you next week, I may be up to I may be up to 15,000 words of my latest book, the title of which I've forgotten already. What's it called? Who to trust? Who to trust? That's what it's called. Um, I've got a, a, a child coming back from university next weekend, and I was going to write Friday, Saturday next week, and I just thought, oh, if my son's back from university, I might get distracted on the Saturday, so. I might, I, I'm just not quite sure yet. My potential writing days are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of next week. So I'll see how I feel. But what, I, what I'm what i intending to do at the moment is to write on Thursday and Friday. But if I, I don't write on Thursday, for whatever reason, I've got a spillover day on Saturday. My wife's at work in the morning on Saturday, so I probably won't see the kids until the writing's done. But I just thought, hmm, I was going to write on a Saturday. And I'm not sure. I just want to make sure I get it done. It's so early days in the book. I want to make sure it gets done. So I think I'm going to write Thursday, Friday next week. So I may be telling you when we speak next that I'm up to 15,000 words of the book whose title I keep forgetting, Who to Trust. That's what it's called, WTT, Who to Trust. Um, so I'll let you know in next week's podcast diary. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. And I'll be back in a week's time with more self-publishing news. Bye-bye for now. 
Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.